Okay, so today we're going to get into our message. I'm excited to share with you um, really uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, something that is my heart, uh, something that's an understanding of who I am. Um, And again, like I was telling you, we're we're taking these few weeks leading up uh, to our grand opening as, as really an opportunity to just share the heart of the church and to share the heart of the foundry and to ultimately encourage you to partner with us. Uh, we again, we we don't call this membership. Does that make sense? We don't call this this church membership again because we don't have a pool. We may have a mobile baptistry that's coming, but we don't have a pool. All right, with diving boards and such. We don't have you know this beautiful rec room where you can come and work out. You don't pay dues to come to this country club to be a member. We partner together in ministry and in life. Okay, I know the term even partner can be skewed a little bit in today's society, but we can redeem that as the church and use it as an understanding that we're arm in arm to change the community. So that's what we're leading up to is the idea of you guys saying, you know what? I'm all in with you. I'm all in with the foundry. I'm all in with this family. I want to partner with you to reach this community. That's the ultimate goal. And next week, we're going to really encourage folks to understand partnership and then agree with us. Go into covenant and understanding, you know, like a marriage relationship. I heard one of the the Chi Alpha leaders say this, and he didn't even know what he was saying when he said it. He said, what we love to do is to get into a church and literally almost marry that church and that whatever they need, however we can serve, we do it. It's an idea of covenant. It's an idea that Look, when things get a little ugly, when things get a little scary, when things get a little overwhelming, we don't stop. We keep pushing ahead because there's folks that need to know Jesus. That's what partnership is. So we're excited about that next week. We're even going to have some time after service uh, just to really solidify that deal and that understanding of partnership. Um, But last week, we talked about the church. And if you were here, you may remember the understanding of the church. Uh, this conversation, again, that we started uh, as, as a buildup to becoming partners in this thing called the church. We began this conversation um, with gaining what I feel to be a true understanding of um, church, what the church is, but who Jesus wants the church to be as he builds it, okay? As he builds it. We heard those confirming words of Christ in Matthew sixteen eighteen when he simply stated, I will build my church. Again, even thinking about it, we get this picture of this this old, beautiful cathedral understanding of the church. People are like, you mean the bottom of an architectural firm? Yeah, we're on the lower level. We tore down all kinds of walls, and guess what it is? It's a church. It's a meeting place. But it's an understanding that, hey, you're the church. Do you get what I'm saying here? It's not about a structure. It's not about a building, but it's about the people. We witnessed the conversation between Jesus and Peter as Christ called Peter out of a life that was easily blown by the wind. And Jesus re-identified Peter, gave him a new name as rock. And not just rock in and of itself that the church will be built upon, but understanding that a rock that is placed on the cornerstone, who is Christ. Do you understand where I'm coming from here? That Christ is the cornerstone. He is the foundation of the church and we are to be built upon him. So you see Jesus calling Peter out in this way, saying, look, you were easily blown to and fro by anything in this world. I get it. I live in this world just like Peter did, right? It doesn't take much to knock this dude off kilter. Anybody with me on that? Literally. It doesn't take a whole lot sometimes. I need to get some Sabbath up in my life and get some rest, right? You know what I mean by that? I need to get things calibrated sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't take much. 
Peter was the same way. He was 100% human, and this guy didn't take much to knock him off kilter. Jesus said, look, that's who you were, but who I'm making you? Huh. Bro, sky's the limit. I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you someone that the church can be built upon. We learned that we are the ecclesia, or the people that are called out from and called to Christ himself. The ecclesia in the Greek, this understanding that we are folks that are not just normal everyday guys and gals, but that are called out for a purpose and for a reason. College students, the hardest time of my life is what you're in right now. If I understood that I was the church then, if I understood that I was called out to something greater, my life would have been drastically different a lot sooner. Don't waste time being the church. Because here's the thing. Jesus was talking about the Ecclesian church at this point, which was the church to come. Because you guys aren't the church of tomorrow. And us older folks understand what I'm talking about here. They're not the church of tomorrow. Teenagers, college students, you're the church of today. You're the church of today that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 16, 18. And that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How cool is that, that he wants to use us to be the church? Us older folks, guess what? We're still the church and we still got a lot to do. If you're still breathing, there's still purpose in your life and there's still reason for you to be here. But I think about these students. Us older folks, this is what we prayed for. We prayed for these guys, that we could be a healthy family church and God brought families this summer so that we could be that family church to welcome these guys back to a place where they felt like they were part of something bigger than just their, their campus or even the ministry that they're part of already. The Ecclesian church, the one to come. There were some things that we saw in this first century church that need to be present as well in our 21st century church. Some, some should-bes or some should-haves. Some uh, things that are key identifiers, okay, if you will, of what the church should be as a people. We should be filled with faith. We should be folks that believe, folks that believe again even. If you've been hurt in life, you know what I'm talking about. It does not take much to cripple faith. But God is calling us out, and Jesus is saying, you're going to be the church that will be filled with faith to do amazing things. When folks look at this church in particular, they're like, either you have a lot of faith or you're pretty stupid, depending on who's looking in. Us folks with faith, we say, man, you guys are believing for great things. I want to believe with you. We should have consistent fellowship, this understanding that the first century church had this koinonia fellowship, that they broke bread together and they did life. That just makes sense. How many of you guys love to eat? Raise your hand because you're alive. You love to eat. I mean, it's like what we do. It's part of how many of you guys love to sleep. I can get more hands on that. I'm with you on that. All right. Sleep is just such a beautiful thing. And then when you have kids, it's a far distant thing. Okay. Um, and then when you have a job and you have life and school and sleep. It's subjective, isn't it? What is it? Is it the cat nap when you get home? That's good sleep, right? No, but this koinonia fellowship, the breaking of bread and doing of life together, that should be consistently in place. Yes, meeting on Sunday, but also connect groups and things like that, as you see, and also things that you start even in your dorms and in your homes of Bible time, reading together and doing life koinonia. They should also contend for unity. This is a necessity in the church. How many of you guys love a good fight? No hands. Awesome. Okay. That's good. I was hoping. You're like, oh, geez, should I do it? Should I? No, yes. I'm so glad I didn't. Okay. This is one thing that we will fight for as a church. And I shared about it last week. We will fight 
we will contend for unity. Why? Think about some of the lives we come from and all the brokenness, all the hurt and all the pain that we see in our family, right? Think about the situations and circumstances we've been through before already. You need to come here. You need to come to this the church, which means even your homes, and you need to find a place of unity and a place of peace. That's what the church, that's what we are supposed to be. A place that is unified under Jesus. Think about it. Living the life that he lived. Changing lives every day by sharing who he is, not who he was. Living our lives with humility and gentleness towards others. We should practice consecration. That's one of those big words that you're like, consecration? What is that one of those real big biblical words that you're going to have like four Greek words and one Hebrew and then anything else you can find in the Bible to support it? Setting yourself apart. An understanding, a simple understanding of what Jesus did for you as a believer and identifying with that in every single day, consecrating yourself, setting yourself apart and understanding of what he did for you so that you can help change the world that's around you. Consecration. It's simple. Understanding that we are his possession and that he is ours. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? And then that we should live with power. Matthew 18, um, Matthew 16, 18 through 20. Um, that we have this ability, this understanding through the spirit to pray and things change. I love stories that Lee tells me. Lee, raise your hand back there. I love this guy. Look at him. This man has wisdom. Also has a lot of faith and he's seen a lot of things. Part of the prayer ministry that he was a part of uh, growing up. That's even a couple years ago, right? Still growing up. Because we're men. We never grow old. Amens, ladies? Mm, Revival just happened at the foundry, okay? I'm just kidding. (laughs) She's like, mm, got the hanky out. I'm like, Tiff, put the hanky away, all right? But stories of, of crazy stuff. He's like, Pastor, I prayed, and that arm just straightened right up. Prayed for his wife, a pastor from our church that, that's planting us in Weirton. That pastor came in when she was with cancer, walked in the door and cursed cancer to the root. Gone. Gone. That's power. That's from God. That's not from us. That's him using us as we pray as conduit for change to happen that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. This understanding that there's a relationship between us and him and whatever we loose on earth, sickness, death, whatever, will be loose in heaven, will be identified and understood in heaven. Power, that we live with power. You're not made to be powerless, but powerful, and he made you to live in that power. That, is the church. I literally could just re-preach this again and again and again because we want to share our heart with you in this way of who we're supposed to be. But there's still more. Again, don't you love the infomercials? But wait, there's more. So we understand who we're supposed to be as the church, right? Just from that little synopsis there from last week. We understand um, what makes us unique. We understand uh, what is the heart cry of God. We understand of, of what we should you know, look like daily as we live. And um, as Kara and I think back to this point, when we, prevented, uh, we were uh, excuse me, presented with this question at a, a church planter's boot camp. And they asked us this question. It was, it was so hard to answer. If this makes sense to you, you understand. 
because we weren't here yet. We didn't live here. This was a couple years ago almost now. They said, what's your church going to be about? What's the foundry going to be? We named it that before we knew we'd live here. Well, we are kind of living here. Before we knew that this would be our location, before we knew Foundry Street would be right there, all that kind of stuff. A year and a half ago and some change. What's the foundry going to be about? I understand what the church is about, but what's the foundry? What is going to be your DNA? What is going to be your heart cry? And here we are. Our team knows we're a very collaborative team. We work together on everything as much as possible. That's the nature of how we do things. Kara and I are sitting there at a table, and they're like, what's it going to be about? And we're like, um, oh, geez. I don't even know. I don't live in Morgantown yet. I don't even know. I haven't been there yet in that way. I don't even know the folks. I don't even know that Waynesburg University would travel down or that Chi Alpha would be in place at WVU and students would come. I didn't even know that families would come as a part of outreaches. I didn't even know any of this. But they're asking this question. What's your heart's cry? What are you going to be about as a church? What is going to make your church different? How is your church going to impact your community? What is going to be your thing? As people, as a church, there has to be a common language, a common vernacular when it comes to uh, who we are and what we're about. This is why I want to camp for a little bit today, is an understanding, again, of sharing some vision and casting some vision for the future. There has to be a singular idea and thought in our hearts collectively that's, that's a common thing among us, that we become this people of common unity, community. A speech, a declaration that our lives present as we do them every single day. And if we were to label such a thing we would call it the Foundry Manifesto. They're asking, what is your manifesto? What is the thing that you will proclaim down the streets of Morgantown and to the communities in which you minister? What are you going to say? It'll be this. Our mission is our manifesto. The Foundry Church exists to authentically love God and genuinely love people by cultivating environments where lives are formed. You might even wonder, why do you have a gear? What's that all about? Why do you have a gear on everything? Everything's in gear. Where you like, like to be in gear? Do you like to move? It's all about formation, about things coming together and creating movement, formation together. This manifesto, this understanding is simple. And it's the end result of our vision, which is really simple as well, to lead people into loving and growing relationships with God and their community. It's so simple. We boil it down all the time. And you heard Matt even talk about it today. Love God. Love people. The manifesto of the church collectively and the manifesto of this church should be one and the same. It's simple. Love God. Love people. This is going to be juvenile, but say it with me. Love God, love people. One more time. Love God, love people. All right, we're going to have some Kool-Aid after service that we'll drink. And there's there's going to be a... But that should roll off our tongue, shouldn't it, though? Love God, love people. 
Is that an original idea? Anybody? Nod your head yes or no if that's an original idea. Don't you think every church should keep it simple as possible and focus on loving God and loving people? Do you think? Yeah. We make it so complicated. We have a mission. We have a, a ministry for people with six toes on the right feet in the church. Not this one. People create ministries for anything under the sun, for all kind, anything in the world, for people that have only been divorced twice. Do you go to three? <laughs> go to the other church. Or, or you know what I'm saying by this? Or people that have two children, you can come to this small group, but not. Love God, love people. Is it original? Not at all. The greatest commandment in Matthew 22, 34 through 40, as Jesus was talking to the political religious folk, we can lump them in together, actually, of the time. He said this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This is, an, this is an original idea to us, isn't it? No. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. He didn't say love him with part of your bank account, one of your children, only three of your cars, and the basement of your home. And maybe a couple of your thoughts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. How many times have you heard this in your life? A billion, have you not? How many times do we live it out daily? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love him with everything. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I love this, verse 40. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He's talking to these religious folk that had created over 600 laws and stuff and all kinds of crazy religious rope that they had to walk through in life to make sure that they were holy and that they lined up and that they were perfect. And he says, listen to me. Look me in the eyes here, all of you religious folk. Love God with everything in you and then look around and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. But you don't understand. We created all these laws so people can live in harmony and unity. No, you, you created all of these. You're correct. But I'm doing something different here, Jesus was saying. I'm building a new type of kingdom where everything is about him and everything else is about them. Is that new? No. Here's the problem with vision and mission, all that stuff. It leaks. Did you know that? Vision leaks. What does that mean? You can share vision 21 days ago. It's time to share it again, statistically. You can tell folks and start a service, start a church with this same portion of Scripture that happened over five months ago, because we did. Same portion of Scripture, because I can't get away from it. But it leaks, because we are human, and every single day something happens that takes us away from loving Him, which then in turn takes us away from loving them. Who's your neighbor? Not necessarily just the person that lives beside you. You're like, you don't know who my neighbor is. Mm -mm, I don't. All of a sudden you guys are like repenting in here. 
You're like, maybe I should go take the gasoline out of the uh, garage with the wick that's all the way to my house. I'm kidding. I hope not. I have good neighbors. I'm good. But some, no, it's not. It's the person that sits next to you in the office that chews their gum really loud. You ever met people like that? Bless their hearts. Or your neighbor could be maybe college students, your new roommate. Oh, Lord, bless their hearts. Right? Or sometimes even your neighbor can be your mom or your dad that sometimes you want to give a little throat punch to. I understand. I grew up with one of those. Bless his heart. We've got to love him. We've got it's a commandment. We got to love him because we love him. God's love is perfect in that he gave his only begotten son. Think about it. That's sacrifice. That's love. When's the last time you sacrificed a couple more minutes just to stop and help somebody on the side of the road? Or someone that's pushing somebody in a wheelchair and instead of running through the median, you just you stop and let them cross the crosswalk. Or when's the last time you stopped on High Street and these folks that are always asking you for money? You said, you know what? Let's go get something to eat together. When's the last time that happened? We want to be the type of community and carry the type of heart that loves God and loves people right where they're at. I don't agree with everything in society. Do you? I don't like the way society's going. I don't even like myself sometimes. Most times. But I love God. and I'm going to love people. This is the DNA of our church. This is our manifesto. An understanding that if I do anything today, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people. It doesn't just stop there. Because remember we talked a few weeks ago about the understanding of what it means to be a disciple and what it means to be an apostle. You're like, I am not apostle, bishop, or prelate, or no late, or anything. I'm just a normal guy. Exactly. But the understanding is this, that you're once a follower as a disciple, and you become a missionary, one who goes out on mission as an apostle, a messenger. John 13, 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Why do you say it twice? Because we don't get things the first time around. You must love one another. By this, understand this, guys, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you are Christ followers by the way in which you love them. Give that homeless guy a hug. You're like, but you don't understand. Yes, I do. Someone behind you in the line by their knee. Conspiracy of kindness. Why'd you do that? Just sharing the love of Christ in a practical way. Love God. Love people. Hold the door a little bit longer for somebody. Faith without works is what? Let's do something with this. Love God. Love people. When we're doing this, you know what happens? You're alive. You are never more alive than when you're just like Christ. He gave the ultimate sacrifice of his life when we give of ourselves daily. Does that mean that you, you necessarily you know, go without paying your bills and things like that? I'm not saying that. You're like, God, oh, do I pay my rent? Or do I pay the rent of this person who needs my help? I'm not. You take care of yourself. You be, you be a good steward of what you have. But at the same time, when's the last time that you genuinely loved God and then in turn genuinely loved somebody 
You're like, that's hard stuff. No, it's not. That's just the Bible. When you live this way, it's the best thing ever. How many of you guys have started like a new exercise regimen or maybe a new reading plan with the Bible or you've started something like that? The discipline that you get from that just invigorates your life, doesn't it? It fuels you in a totally different way. The same with your walk with Christ. When you begin to discipline yourself with him and you become like him, right? It'll change your life by simply loving him and loving them. That's not condescendingly speaking. That's an understanding of loving him and loving them. When you go to work, how can I love somebody today? I was talking with my neighbor a few days ago. This guy does not go to church. And frankly, I don't, I don't blame him sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But he was sharing with me that if the church was all about love, he'd be all about it. Because a lot of times the church, and this is kind of weird to think about, is all about God versus the love of God. Now, if you've grown up in church in any way whatsoever, you know how religious it can be, right? You understand where I'm coming from. If you've grown up in church or you've been around Christians more than five minutes in your life, you know how religious they can be. Where I'm saved. I got baptized in water, baptized in the Spirit, baptized in the Jordan, man. I'm legit. When's the last time you love somebody? When's the last time? Like what Paul talks about in Corinthians, and I shared it with you a moment ago, 1 Corinthians 12, talks about gifts and all these things and how important these gifts are, right? You know where I'm coming from with this? But the most important thing that we can have, and he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13, is love. Because love is patient. You're like, I heard that at a wedding. Love is kind. Yeah, I did hear about that. Because we get this visual of a marriage relationship of love. That we love him so much that we want to honor him in any way possible. Because he loves us, and we love him, so we love them. It's so key. And this isn't this friendship type of love, this phileo. This is an agape type of love, a self-sacrificial type of love that is so important for us to understand. What we're going to do this morning is take some time and we're going we're gonna to take some communion and we're going to identify with this agape type of love. This understanding of this self-sacrificial love that Jesus gave when he died on the cross for us. I'm going to read this in just a moment with you, but what I'm going to do in lieu of loving God and loving people is to further identify with what Jesus did through communion. You've probably taken communion before. You probably understand what it means. Here at the Foundry, we, we take communion when it means something. A lot of churches, it's the first of every month at 10.05 a.m. and you're wearing this and you're wearing that. We want this to be special. Because if we're really going to love them, we really have to love him and we really have to understand what he did. If we're really going to live out this manifesto, we really have to embody it for ourselves. Paul, who spoke here in 1 Corinthians as well, 
understood what it looked like and to live like a life of sacrifice. And what I want you to do this morning, we're going we're gonna to actually split these. Half of it will be here. Half of it will be at that table. You'll just slide out from your row, slide up and grab the communion pieces, and then you'll go back to your seat, and then we'll partake together. What's also really cool is that our kids are going to come in from Kids Church. And our kids are going to do communion with us because you know what we want to do? We want to show them that we love him and that we love them. We want to be the example. We want our manifesto, loving God and loving people, to be understood in our youngest generation. It's so key that we as leaders, as parents, college students, you're leading somebody regardless if you think you are or not. Parents, you're leading people regardless if you think you are or not. Grandparents, everybody's leading somebody and you don't realize it sometimes. We want to show folks that we love God and we love people. How better than to identify with that agape, self-sacrificial type of love? So maybe uh, earlier in the service, you kind of came to that place of understanding. Matt, if you don't mind to come up, buddy, he's going to play for us at the end uh, during our communion time. But at the beginning of service, you, you really found yourself identifying what it means to love God with everything in you, right? This understanding of what it means to have a relationship with Him. And if you didn't come to that understanding at that point, it's so important before you do this that you identify with these, these sacraments, these, these, these emblems, this understanding that we do in remembrance, right, of what Jesus did for us. You know that guy Peter, right, that we talk about a lot? He's probably one of my favorite characters because he's such an idiot. I totally identify. That was a good time to raise your hand. Kidding. But we, we see Peter re-identifying with Christ on that beach. You remember that? Where they have this meal together where Jesus, you know, gets some fish and some, some bread kind of thing. And they're hanging out. They're doing some life together. Peter thinks all hope is gone. That he's not going to be rock anymore. That he is just going to be blown by the wind again. He's going to be nothing. Back to fishing. That's where he was. Back to fishing. Because he failed too many times to be a disciple. Then you hear Jesus like, Peter, do you love me? Right? Do you remember that dialogue? Have you read that story before? Have you gotten into that story and understanding? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I love you. You should know this by now. I feel like I'm a hot mess, man. I can't get anything right. You see me. You know me. If anybody does, you know how crazy I am, Jesus. Just give it all, Peter. Be willing to give everything. Identify with me every single day. I'm paraphrasing that quite a bit. But it's an understanding that Peter came to. From that point on, Peter's life changed forever. He did finally become that rock that made so many amazing moves for the church. It's crazy. That first century church, and he began to preach to people and share the word about who Jesus was, and thousands were saved and filled with the Spirit of God. And numbers were added daily. When we understand who we are in Him, it'll change your life. When you live up to your destiny, it'll change your life. 
And you are no longer a reed that is blown by the wind, but a rock that is on Jesus Christ. It'll change your life. How? You'll really love him with everything in you, and you'll really love them just the same. This is our manifesto. This is our heart's cry. This should be the message that you carry with you in your pocket. Why do I exist to love God and to love people and nothing else? To get a little uncomfortable, whatever it takes, to love God and love people and keep it simple. That's where I want my kids to live. That's where I want these guys to grow up like. Loving God and loving people. Not having all this prejudice and judgmental attitudes and mentalities, but just to love God and love people. Like, why do you keep saying that? Because it's so hard to do. Because in the middle is me. Think about it. You and I are the middlemen or women. And that little problem right there, that little mathematical equation. How do we continue to love God and love people? By identifying with his brokenness. I'm hoping this doesn't feedback a little bit. Identifying with his brokenness and that in his brokenness, as being 100% God and 100% man, in his brokenness, we have been made whole. The understanding that his body was broken for you so that your, your body may be whole, that you can pray and that, you, that people can be healed. Do you understand what I'm saying? That his blood that was spilled that gives us eternal life in heaven. Again, hell wasn't made for humans. It's made for the devil and his fallen angels and demons. Not for you. That's not God's idea for your life. God's idea for your life is eternity with him. How do you get there? Continually identifying, consistently loving God and loving people. So this is what I want us to do. My children will be served after all the adults come up. But I want you to literally just draw the line, separate, make a, an upline and a backline, grab some juice, grab a cracker, and head back to your seat. Okay? You can do it now. Do it real quick. Thank you.
this building, so we're learning every time. Thank you, brothers. Team on three. good problems to have. is the new covenant in my blood. A new covenant relationship means that I'm not going to walk out on you ever. I'm like my dad in heaven. I'm never going to fail you. I'm never going to leave you behind. This is my covenant. This is my blood covenant with you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming back for his church. 
for you. <laughs> I used to never want that growing up. I had so much more to do, so much more life to live. As you get older, you want it much more. The hope that we have in him that he's coming back. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself, like we talked about already, before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Do this in remembrance and understanding of who he is and what he did. Take the bread and hold it with me. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you that your body was broken that we may be whole. We thank you that it was broken that we may experience healing. And we thank you that you are present in our lives and that we can be made well as we do this in remembrance of you. That we can pray and that we can bind things on earth and that we bound in heaven that our bodies in this world can be healed because we were broken and we are made whole. We partake of this bread together. And just hold up this cup. This symbol of the most agonizing, excruciating death known to mankind, crucifixion. The symbol of blood spilled down Calvary. We don't like to think about that. It's nasty. It's gory. It's ugly. But that's what sin does. That's what sin is. It's ugly. It's nasty. It's gory. But his blood covered our sin so that we may have forever with him. And again, that that mercy was made new this morning. How cool is that? If we do this in remembrance of him, we'll never forget what he did for us every single day. Lord, we thank you for this cup, this symbol of your blood that was spilled down Calvary to pay the ransom for my life so that I wouldn't have to go to hell, but that I could be in heaven with you. Again, it's not your idea that we go there. You want us to be with you because we are your kids. We are your church. We are your people. You love us. And I pray this morning as we take this cup, we take it in the right heart, in the right mind, understanding that we are forgiven by your blood. And by your blood, we are made completely whole in spirit and in truth. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We partake today. Thank you. Matt's going to lead us for just a moment and then we're going to conclude service, like I said before, praying over our students. Um, for this school year, believing that, that God will do great things. So um, the words will be on the screen, I think, or, or maybe not. If not, it's okay. Rob's like, oh, geez, you probably know the song. If not, if not, just absorb this moment for a second. All right? Go ahead, man.
Hymns are always one of my favorites. Um, it's near and dear to my heart. I grew up in your traditional Presbyterian evangelical church with my parents. Um, and the hymns just really resonate within me just because it's what I remember singing as a kid. Um, this one hymn just really, I think, just sums up everything that we've talked about in terms of communion and what we're here for and why Jesus died for our sins. And within the course it says, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. And I always like to, like I said, <laughs> investigate songs and why they use that. Aside from the fact that snow and flow rhyme, so they put that together. It's like, why is it white as snow? Why isn't it like white as a white t-shirt or white as a white car or white as white? You know what I mean? Why snow? Why is it specifically snow? And if you know, you know snow is condensation that froze. So liquid turned into a solid. And snow is made up of crystals. And that's what water's made out of. When it hardens, you have crystals. Um, and crystals create prisms, right? So what happens with prisms? Prisms reflect light. Uh, that's what you see with like rainbows. When light, the light hits the prism, you see a rainbow, different colors. And I think that's the reason why he chose snow is because snow, when it just falls in its purest form, is the brightest thing that we can ever see, right? It's February. We're driving on 79, and we have to put on sunglasses. You know what I mean? Because it's so bright. But why is it so bright? Because the crystals and the prisms are reflecting light back at you. And I think there's a reason why he says, washed it white as snow, so that we can be a light to others that we can reflect his light. Because snow in its purest form is the whitest in the yeah. It's so bright. If I put on sunglasses, I want to be in the Bahamas, you know what I mean? <laughs> it is February, negative zero. Well, negative two. And I have to put on sunglasses. That's because the snow is reflecting light. So allow him to make you white as snow so that you can reflect light in your community reflect light at your workplace, you can reflect light at your universities. So I'm going to sing this one again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
the blood of some great things planned for our church and for your life and your manifesto love God love people love God love people because apart from him we can do nothing with him all things are possible amen what we want to do is, is conclude our time of praying over our, our little babies also our big babies. I don't look. You're, if you have parents, you're still their baby. All right, parents of teenagers, adults doesn't matter. They're still your babies. So this is what we want to do. All of our little ones, our, our guys from Geared Up. Let's get these guys to stand on this side, if that's okay. All right, that way you can just stay seated. That way you can probably still see them because some of them are pretty tiny. All right, bless their hearts. They're all mine, the tiny ones. Um, come from short stock. We could get our, our geared up guys to stand here. If they need to, Pastor Lori, they can stand up on the stage and down, depending upon. You can set them up. If you are in high school, middle school, college, let me get you to stand over here. College students, if you could stand in the back. All right? This is awesome. I'm pumped for this. College in the back. High school, middle school, elementary. It's going to be over here. We got to get a picture. This is awesome. This is called the church of today. Look at these college students. You guys, just an understanding college students, we prayed for you so that you can invest in this generation that's in front of you. You understand me, college students? That's a charge. These guys that are standing in front of you are your purpose in life in this church and your reason. This is generational ministry. This is our vision. Are you more college students? Come over here. Just get over this way. Come on, fill the phone. That's fine. 
you don't see dreams come reality often. So high school, middle school, it's your purpose. It's your reason for these little guys. The church of today. All you old folks like me, <laughs> this is why we're alive. This is why we exist. To invest in the church of today. This is why we're a church. This is why we're the foundry. To love God and love people. So everybody just extend your arm forward to these guys. And we just want to pray a blessing over them this school year. This blood that we talked about that washes white as snow is the blood that protects these guys as they go into this mission field that they live in called school. It can be the scariest of times, the dangerous place. But we plead Christ's blood around them, not as some weird, scary thing, but as an understanding that he will protect them and he will look out for them because they are his kids. Educators, I know my, my sister-in-law is an educator. If you could even stand up, if you're an educator in here, you work with kids, go ahead. Pray for them too right now. God, we absolutely love you. We absolutely adore you. And we thank you, God, that you have placed us in history for this point in time. God, that most think that we are just a blip on the radar and that we have nothing significant to add but God, these folks that are standing, these students are your church. God, help us to do everything that we can to enable them to be your church. Help these educators themselves, God, as they go into new school years to be your light on their campus, to not be afraid to be a Christ follower and an adult. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus, nothing scary or weird over your kids as they go into their mission field this year. Give them their dreams, Lord. Give them their hopes. Give them their future, the understanding that it is bright because you are in it. And God, we pray that this is the absolute best year yet. And that God, we continue to run out of space here because of the life change that's happening on these campuses. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we pray that you be with them and bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give yourselves a hand, guys, students, as we do it with them. Thank you guys for embodying this. Because our dream, again, is to be a family church guys have a lot of experience. You got to have a lot of success and you have a lot of failure. You have a lot of life. And that's what their gift is to you. They only say things because they love you. They only tell you because they've screwed up themselves so many times. They mean me as well because we love them. And anything you need, they're here for you. Nod your head if you want. I see heads nodding already. They're here for you. You understand? 
This is the church. This is the church. This is the church. All right? I can't think of a better way to end than to just thank God. And I want to challenge you to go and be the church to simply, your manifesto is what? To love God, love people. Don't complicate it with ministries for people with six toes. No. Love God. You guys don't understand what we're talking about. It'll make sense when you're older. Just kidding. But it's love God, love people. Your church, your sphere of influence will grow because of you. Loving God and loving people. All right? Make sure you help that guy over there too with bringing your kids, parents, to student ministry when you don't feel like getting out of bed and relaxing. Make sure you help that precious one in the back right there, Pastor Lori. You don't get to see her a lot because she's always loving these kids. Volunteer, get plugged in. Love this church. Love these kids. The nursery as well, our little sprockets. Get in there, get involved. We got a three and five-year-old's ministry that's starting soon. Get plugged in. This is your place of growth. This is opportunity, all right? You can do anything here. You can go anywhere from here, all right? Let's be the church, okay? Let's be the church. We love you guys. If you need anything, let us know. Again, fill out a connect card uh, so we can stay in touch with you. And uh, we're going to love you. And we're going to help you as much as we can. All right? You with me? All right. Be blessed, my friends. Have a wonderful, wonderful day and a wonderful week. All right? We'll see you next time. Life is for living.